Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9am on Cork's Red FM. Okay, the uh, Trump story makes the online editions of uh, the newspapers, not the print editions, because it was uh, broke or broken overnight and Trump sleeps very little, so he was tweeting overnight as well. Most of America is still asleep, of course, but they'll be waking up to the news uh, that Donald Trump and his wife has tested po- have tested positive uh, for COVID-19, for coronavirus. He tweeted that himself and the wife had been tested because Hope Hicks, a senior advisor who recently travelled with the president and was in very close proximity, apparently, to him all of the time, she tested positive. Positive, and he said, we will begin our quarantine and recovery process immediately. Rather ironic, isn't it? Actually, two big uh, political leaders coming down with um, uh, coronavirus, uh, you know, not just Trump, but in the recent past, of course, also uh, the British Prime Minister Boris Johnson. Uh, so one of the issues we're hearing this morning is that Trump might have problems because he is clinically obese. And apparently they've been saying, I was listening to a uh, uh, some of the you know White House correspondents this morning, Brian, o, Brian, o, is Brian, o, Brian O'Connell, isn't it? Isn't that name the guy who is the uh, he's the court guy who's the correspondent with the RTE? He says that um, uh, there's not really a huge policy of mask wearing within the White House, and many other people are saying that as well. That you know they're very lazy affair. Actually, Trump's been very lazy affair about mask wearing in general. So what effect that will have on the presidential election? Who knows? With the next two debates, who knows how sick Trump might actually get? Who knows? And, you know, Brian O'Donovan, my apologies to Brian O'Donovan, my apologies to the uh, Cork, uh, uh, Washington correspondent. Um, and then, you know what the debate, like Joe Biden, you know, he's 74 years old and I think Trump is like, is he 70 or 72? Uh, they need to be careful, particularly there was a lot of shouting back and forth at that debate. I mean, I know they were distanced from each other, but I wonder whether Biden, who's always wearing masks, apart from that debate, whether he's concerned about it uh, or not. But that's an overnight breaking story. We thought we'd be going into level three. Uh, it didn't happen, but there are extra restrictions. And I guess you probably know now that visits to the family home will be restricted to a maximum of six people from one other household over the next three weeks. It's, as the Independent calls it, the last ditch lockdown gamble as gatherings, apart from uh, six people from one other household uh, in your own home environment. Other than that, everything else is banned. The Echo this morning says Cork COVID cases are soaring. Uh, they reference actually a story from when I was away where they talk about uh, one particular case that makes the papers uh, here on Leaside uh, where uh, Neffet and uh, the CMO were saying one cluster, for example, uh, in Cork from a cafe restaurant where a number of people from different households socialised and that cluster from the cafe or restaurant, I don't know where, I mean, there are rumours about where it was, but that cluster now is 57 positive cases from that one cafe restaurant alone. So that's the big problem, really, isn't it? Um, mind you, Benny McCabe this morning, who owns a clatter load of pubs here on Leaside, heritage pubs in Cork, Chenay, the Mutton Lane, Crane Lane, the Oval, the Vicarstown, and lots more besides. He says that uh, the industry can um, breathe a big sigh of relief that we didn't go into um, level three yesterday, but he says that it is a worrying time and it's a week by week situation, notwithstanding that you are at the same time talking about many people's lives. And also, uh, many would say even more importantly now, because we have a better handle on COVID, they say livelihoods is more important. Yes, and uh, the program yesterday morning, news was broken that uh, seven or that 11 UCC students had been suspended 
because breach because of breaches um, of uh, rules of the college, um, temporary suspensions put in place. That's now been confirmed by UCC. Uh, they've received complaints pertaining to breaches of student rules, uh, and that's going through some sort of a, a hearing process. Now, I might have more on that later this morning, but it is true that 11 students have been temporarily suspended. Now, very worryingly, because we're we're way back in, in travel numbers, of course, into the country, and more importantly, into Cork Airport. It's very, very worrying for the future of the airport, and even more so if Michael O'Leary follows up on his threat to pull Ryanair out of Cork and Shannon until at least next April. And that's a story that makes the echo today, and he says he will do that unless the government fails to, unless the government adopts the EU travel list, uh, which will be published in its entirety uh, later this month. And then there are many other COVID stories. Uh, it's good to see that Tony Hoolahan, Dr. Tony Hoolahan is coming back to work on Monday. Of course, he took some time off to, uh, to care for his wife, Emer. She has terminal cancer and is now receiving palliative care. So our thoughts are, are with him. Uh, and in his absence, Dr. Tony Glynn took over, but Tony Hoolahan, uh, back in control from from next week, and then the mail this morning talks about you know how easily this this virus can be distributed. Their front page says student got COVID after a desk swap. Uh, Eighty staff and pupils contract the virus since schools reopened across the country, and this was by move. And in this particular case, moving uh, a student from one desk uh, to another. And the story with regards to Golfgate that just rattles on. You know, one of the strands of that story, of course, was the Supreme Court judge Seamus Wolf. Um, there was an investigation, uh, a retired judge investigating a sitting judge which is kind of peculiar in itself. But uh, she has come back now saying that um, um, he's out of the rough, if you like, to use golfing parlance and shouldn't be sacked and shouldn't have to resign. Somewhere yesterday I did read that um, um, that uh, Seamus Wolf said uh, to uh, other members of the judiciary at the time uh, that it wasn't a political event, which strikes me as bizarre if he did say that because it was the Oroctus Golf Society. I wouldn't think it would come more political than that. But the Irish Times lead with that story on their front page today. The Mirror has a two-page spread on the government. They did uh, research and they did a survey online and it says the Mirror poll says that 88% of people do not have faith in the Health Minister Stephen Donnelly uh, and indeed uh, 84% of respondents don't even have confidence in the government and those in charge. So that makes for interesting reason, re- uh, reading. Over the past six months with COVID and lockdown and restrictions, apparently drug use has rocketed on Lee's side and the Echo says uh, that um, arrests and detentions for drugs for personal use and for dealing has rocketed during pandemic. So has homelessness by all accounts, according to uh, this morning's Echo. And then there are many food-related stories, which I want to come back to throughout the course of the morning, particularly with regards to children. But there's an interesting one. You think you're eating bread or a bread roll when technically you're actually eating a biscuit. Uh, this is a story in the mail this morning regarding Subway. Uh, and everybody loves a Subway sandwich. Apparently one of the most popular Subway sandwiches, I'm told, is the meatball marinara. Um, uh, and apparently a court has now ruled that there's way too much sugar in the Subway roll to even call it a bread roll. And that technically it should be called a biscuit. So it's a Subway biscuit apparently from now on. But they drill into the food that children eat. And it's way too much of it and way too little exercise. So they're talking about things like, you know, uh, half a biscuit a week, 
three crisps a week and also do not buy and store any treats in the home anymore if you want to keep your kids healthy and keep their weight down like do not store fizzy drinks at home do not store biscuits do not keep chocolates in the cupboard for instance they should be treats that you should go out to get with the child and then ration it Mind you, it wouldn't take long for the bag of crisps to go off or the packet of biscuits to go off if you're only giving the child half a biscuit a week. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco. Save time and shop online. Simply log on to tesco.ie. I will come back to that. But your thoughts are welcome. Our lines are open on that on text 0868 104106. Trying to change the food pyramid for small children. Because it's kind of interesting because this is conquerors season. Chessies, as we used to call it. Uh, and Kieran Barry, a good buddy of mine, was out for a scove the other morning down in Glanmire and he sent me some lovely photographs of big conkers now because it's conker season, the chestnuts are falling. And it got me thinking of the old games that we used to play as kids. Unfortunately, not to be down on kids, of course, because many do play sport, uh, but a lot more of it now is watching television or on PlayStation or on laptops or faces stuck on in, in you know mobile phone screens. But way back in the day, you could easily eat, as a kid, a packet of biscuits and burn it off because of the amount of outdoor activity. And amongst it was conkers. So we're thinking this morning about the old games, the physical games, the outdoor games that people used to play. Is anyone playing conkers? We used to have conquer leagues and conquer championships. And people would come up with all sorts of different ways to cheat with their conkers. Have a think about that. Text 0868104106. We'll come back to that. And and also, I'd love to know about the food that you're feeding your children, particularly the treats. So I'll drill into all of that. Calls, texts and comments on the way. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. Don't you just love those rags to riches stories? Or are we kind of uh, secretly very envious of them? Probably both. Ed Sheeran now is making over 100 10,000 bucks a day. It's just under a million a week now. There's a super story making the mail today talking about the top music earners. Uh, and Kanye West is in there and Elton John and Ariana Grande and uh, Taylor Swift. But so is Ed Sheeran who started as a busker as many musicians did actually. You know, way, way back in the day uh, they even sang their songs for free. So I think it's an incredible story of his teenage years as a busker or sofa surfing with nowhere to live has resulted in a huge income, huge earnings, and a massive talent, and indeed a multi, multi-award uh, winning um, uh, songs and albums. Super story, 110 grand a day, not bad for a busker, eh? Anyway, lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Massive response uh, with regards to uh, issues involving miscarriage from yesterday's program. Many, many emails and texts, all of which I will not get an opportunity to get on the air. But there was one call that I was just about to do yesterday morning when I ran out of time. And that was a call uh, with, uh, it was was based on a call with Lisa Marie, who was on air talking about her own scenario uh, with regards to miscarrying in in, uh, the uh, CUMH. And then Marie got in touch and I ran out of time yesterday. So I caught up with her off the air yesterday and had a chat because she had a number of miscarriages of babies and indeed and indeed twins. I suppose the first the first time was in the Erinville. Um but it was the same thing, you know. I, I fell pregnant and at six weeks um I felt something was wrong, you know, so we went for a scan and they told me that everything was okay. But one of the one of the nurses actually turned to the other one that day and said Oh, look, there's two. And we were looking at each other going, oh, my God, two. Like, and they said, no, there's only one. So anyway, at about 17 weeks, I was feeling really 
there, you know, and so they sent me in. Um, so it, it turned out anyway, I had lost the baby, but that was a Friday evening and they told me to come back on the Monday um, and I'd have to deliver the baby. So I did. I came back on the Monday and... Um, what was that? What was that? Was what, was a, that new, what was that news like, or indeed that wait and that upset over the weekend? Yeah, you know, it was it, it was awful actually because my brother's twenty first was that weekend, so all my family were around. So it was just it was quite stressful, and I I was young enough. I was twenty seven, I suppose, and you know they're younger than me that that have to go through it. But I think the fact of going into the ward um, and I wasn't brought to any labour ward or anything I was brought into a room in the like in a ward and um, they gave me something to start me you know and so that that was fine like they were telling me to push and whatever and then the the midwife picked up something and, and left the room and they put me on a commode while I was waiting or while they were changing the bed you know then the midwife came back in and she said are you sure, she said, that you were more than six weeks? Because she said, what I took there was bone fragments of like a six-week-old baby. And I said, no, I had my 12-week scan was fine. Everything was fine. So I said to her, I think I'm sitting on something. So they put me back on the bed. And she looked and she said, you're going to need to push again. So I actually was carrying twins. And I didn't know until then, you know. So yeah, that was a seventeen-week-old baby then that 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 I delivered. But they, you're in a ward like, and you're you're on a floor with other babies, and you could hear the babies crying while you're trying to deliver what you know as a dead baby. Like, oh, I know, I know. And then in a couple of years later, obviously next, the following year I had my son, and then uh, a couple of years later I was in the CUMH. I went in with pains again. I was about six weeks pregnant. And I was sitting in the emergency room in there with, you know, loads of other women. And some of them were in labour as well, you know. Yeah. So they brought me in and they did a scan on me and they told me that there was no baby there, that I was after having a miscarriage. So um, they sent me home and and I still wasn't feeling very well. And, and a couple of weeks later, about two weeks later, I did another test um, and it turned positive and I rang the hospital and they said, you know, it, it could be just that it's still coming out of your system, you know. Yeah. So I said, no, it couldn't be because I'm, I'm not bleeding or anything. So two weeks later, I went in again and they did an internal scan and they told me that there was a, a baby in the tube. So um, at that stage, they, the baby was quite big, I think, 10 that would be ect- or 10 ect- weeks or something. Ectopic then, would it? Ectopic, At yeah. 10 weeks, yeah, yeah. So they gave me methotrexate and they sent me home. But I was on a ward that, that time with um, other babies as well, you know. But, but they sent, they told me that the methotrexate would dissolve the pregnancy. But I was at home and I got pain a couple of days later that I have never felt in my life. Um, and I actually had to crawl from the bathroom to the bedroom. I was in so much pain. Mm. And they brought me in and they did... Um, they told me that the tube was rupturing and I'd need to have it removed. So they took the whole lot, the, just the tube, like in the baby. And then a couple of years later, uh, maybe about a year later, two years later, I had another miscarriage. Um, and at this stage, they're bringing you in. Because of what had happened, they wanted to check my blood levels every two days. So you're going into... You're, 
technically you're going into the hospital with all the other pregnant mothers every two days knowing that your baby isn't alive like and they're just checking your blood levels to make sure that they're going down and that you're having the miscarriage you know but I think it's very wrong I think there should be a separate place for it's devastating like I think there should be a separate place for people that are going through that well it is devastating because what you're going through is awful but yet surrounded by people who are very very happy or have been given a a wonderful gift of a newborn baby absolutely and I like I I know I had another son after that and I had an amazing um, labour, I won't say an amazing labour, you know, but they were amazing in there for the birth of my seven-year-old yeah, son. Yeah. And, and But, like, it's just, yeah, definitely they, they don't take, pay enough attention, I think, to the needs of mothers that are miscarrying or going through anything devastating like that. It could be so easily fixed, couldn't it? Um, just, just some text with that in mind. Uh, I was listening to your show about that curtain. It's just awful. Women are sobbing their hearts out behind this curtain after losing their baby yeah. for the world to hear them. I can't see why Absolutely. they just can't put you in a room on your own so you can have some privacy. Um, That's it. And it is just a curtain. And they can hear, I mean, you can hear the person in the next cubicle being told, you know, as well. And also they can hear you. There was a call this morning from somebody who said that pregnant women got very upset having to listen to uh, the, the, the lady, the mother who had lost her child. It is, yeah. They should be, there should definitely be a, diff- a different room for them. It, it's not fair on either, you know. Yeah. I text here from somebody who said uh, they had an experience like that. Some things never change. I had the similar experience 27 years ago. Yeah. Uh, they found the hospital very... On. This isn't a criticism of the, the staff, incidentally. For me, it's a criticism of design. But she said that they were very cold and inconsiderate, inconsiderate in their attitude towards young mothers. Now, that was 27 years ago. Maybe things have changed greatly since then. Mm. Um, I don't know. I mean, I suppose it depends on the midwife and stuff that you get. I mean, a lot of them I found very, very good. Um, and I do think it's just the situation that they're working in and they see it so often now. I think that, they, they, you know, they just have to get on with their job. Well, Lisa Marie was only asking for a bit of compassion and a kind word. She was crying and crying. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it is. It's very, it's very heartbreaking. And I do think it depends too on, on the midwife you get. I mean, for the for my first, for the twins, the midwife that I got was, you know, crying herself nearly. Yeah, and, you know. I know. But I know. then, you know, they they are kind of more robotic than as as it went on. You know, when I went to the CUMH and stuff, they are more robotic about it. You know, I wonder it's if a, you see it so often. Kind of a number. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I yeah. know. I know. It's awful, isn't it? You know, they they just have to get on with their job, I think, at the end of the day. There should definitely be a a separate scan room and, you know, like a separate waiting room for... I know. Well, maybe maybe calls like this and stories like this will will make a difference. Your son grew up to be a strapping young lad, I'm sure. I have a 17-year-old and a (laughs) 7-year-old. Okay. Yeah, they're very good. Good stuff. Thanks for taking the call. No bother. Thank you very much. Thank you, Marie. It's always uh, a difficult thing to come on air and share a very personal stories like that. A healthcare worker uh, who also uh, miscarried in Cork says, I've worked alongside midwives and doctors um, and they're doing their best, but I've never witnessed anything like this before. The whole system is a shambles. The way women are treated inside there's a, is a joke and it needs to change. What harm is a small bit of compassion going to do? It needs to change. Uh, My heart goes out to these women, more so now than ever going through miscarriages without the person that means the most to them being present 
be it a mother, a partner or a husband. It's just wrong. I'm happy to hear women talk on the air about their experiences. There needs to be more of it. The pain never goes away or the feeling of a loss of life that uh, that could have been. The loss of a life that could have been. We carry it forever in our hearts as mothers and we should never forget that. And that is very, very true, actually. I think maybe it's a design issue there. This curtain business, is it called the Ashling? I think that might be the ward. Uh, it needs to be improved in a separate room and a little bit more compassion and a little bit more time, perhaps. But not with all of them. There were calls yesterday from people who said that some people that were working within the area are very kind. And, you know, in one case, one of the nurses was crying with the mum who had lost her baby. Now, we'll come back to that in a few moments' time. But can I just mention also, it's Free Food Friday today in association with Oak Fire Pizza. And so we could be feeding the whole team of you. All right, so text who you are and where you are to 0868104106. And the Red Patrollers could well be delivering six large pizzas with sides, wood-fired baby spuds, garlic bread, dips, drinks, and don't forget the dessert, homemade mini cheesecake tasters. All right, and all the cups and the cutlery and the napkins and everything you need as well. That's courtesy of ourselves and oakfirepizza.ie. And of course, they're based on Princess Street in the city, Clonakilty and Bandon. We're going to sort lunch out for you. Okay, so text 0868104106, uh, texting who you are and where you are. And we'll pick a winner. Um, a whole bunch of you, maybe 10 or 15 of you, around about a quarter to midday today. Uh, Leanne, good morning. Yeah, good morning, Neil. How Th- are we? Thanks for holding. I'm going to endeavour to get as many people on as I can this morning. So um, let's let's get stuck into it. In, in relation to, is it the CUMH, it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Three years ago, three, four years ago. He's four in January. So thank God my baby came through the other end. Like. Okay, okay. Uh, and why, why was it touch and go? Well, he had a touch. I had to send a preview anyway through the pregnancy, but everything was fine. But it was just the start of the pregnancy. I had found out I was pregnant very early because I was very sick and I had went to Ballincollig for an early scan, paid privately, and I was only about seven weeks pregnant. So about 12 weeks pregnant, um, I was bleeding and had pain. So my doctor referred me to the CUMH and I had no folder or anything because I hadn't been in there yet with my baby. Um, so they were asking, like, who confirmed your pregnancy and all that, and they said, wait. So they brought me into a room after hours waiting they brought me into a room in between the waiting area and actual the emergency room. And the nurse there, now, it's not that she was ignorant to me, but it was just like as if I was dismissed because I wasn't 12 weeks pregnant. Um, she said, it, you're more likely miscarrying. It's common within early stages of pregnancy. Yes. And I was like, my appointment for my 12-week scan is next Thursday. But anyway, get a scan. And she's like, no. And then she was like, her early scan clinic is closed. So she's like, look, come back Monday and take paracetamol and go home. I was devastated. I went home, went into my other son's bed. Um, I know, I know, I, and again, though, though I am to go into much detail here, but you were in horrific pain and bleeding. Yeah, Bleeding, yeah. Okay. So I, I thought I was losing my baby. I, I was nearly 100% sure I was losing my baby and nobody could tell me. And I had to wait. That was a Wednesday. I had to wait until the Monday to find out whether I was losing my baby. One would think that a scan would have been performed straight away, you know, even no, even even to avoid you having to wait all those days with that anguish, worry and stress. Well, that's it, like, you know, I mean, I don't know. The scan machines look the same in the emergency department as they do in every other part of the I hospital. Know, I, I don't know, know is yeah. there rules and regulations or who, whoever can read the scans? I don't know. But when I went in there on the Monday, thank God I was able to have my partner there, was squeezing his hand, terrified and... 
to see that I was actually 13 weeks pregnant and with a perfect baby. And all that weekend, I just spent crying, curled up in a ball and the bleeding was down to placenta previa, which cleared itself during the pregnancy anyway. But baby Now, was neither you, pregnant. neither you nor the baby needs all of that crying and worry and upset. No, no, and I had because wouldn't had it be wouldn't it be yeah yeah it would, like you would think that it might even affect the baby you know that kind of upset yeah and that's it like all through the pregnancy I was just paranoid and paranoid of because I bled through most of the pregnancy and every time I went there it was just just wait just wait you're fine you're fine you know it's just I think there should be different places in that hospital to be dealing with things like that and I think that when somebody's coming in with like maybe a maybe miscarriage. It should be dealt with there and then, not sent home. Okay, well, talking about it might make change, but appreciate you taking it. You're aware of, of yeah. this this curtain, are you? This, it breaks my heart that women are sent behind curtains, and nowadays, without anybody there with them over COVID, just to lose their babies and told to be quiet. But you can't have people just trape, you know, you understand, you can't have people traipsing willy-nilly around hospitals. They should be, like, in other hospitals, there's there's a morning room for when you lose somebody. There's a special room that they put people. They should have that as well in the hospital. You're still losing, I mean, like, it might not be a person, but you're still losing your baby. To you, it's your baby. Of course. Of course, you, know, you, you, you were, were looking 20, forward 20, to 20. that life. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You are, you know, mothers that are already mothers, they know the love. Mothers that aren't mothers crave that love for their baby. You know, we're not cattle, we're humans. That baby, to me, is a baby. Do you know? Thanks, Leanne. Appreciate you taking no the call. Text story at 68104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. And a selection of other issues that are um, on people's minds who listen to this program. Uh, let me just get through some of them. I'm really worried about this whole COVID-19 thing. I'm working in a factory in Cork. We're working in staggering start times, which is fine. My complete worry, though, is with regards to face coverings. It's such a large work area. On the manufacturing floor where there are multiple operators, very few people are wearing them. Yes, some, but not the majority. We were issued with three face coverings each and were strongly advised to wear them. From management to supervisors to team leaders, who, by the way, should be leading by example, they're not wearing them. Uh, I am at my wit's end at work now. You have engineers, technicians from all different parts of the country not wearing them either. I'm overreacting. I'm not overreacting in any way, but it's a factory. I've asked a manager why everyone wasn't wearing them to protect us, and the reaction I received was, it's not law. COVID isn't in the plant. I'm at my wit's end regarding this, as I have relatives who are old and with underlying health conditions. With the cases rising, management should be taking this more seriously. It's only a matter of time before someone will test positive. Don't give out my details. I will suffer the consequences at work. Anybody else feeling that kind of anxiety and stress at your wit's end at work because of issues like that? Um, and then uh, I had a conversation yesterday, of course, with Nisha from the UCC Students' Union and Catherine Clancy uh, from the uh, Residence Committee in and around the college. Uh, Nisha came across in a much better light than Catherine did, Neil. I think you were very one-sided in your discussion. I don't agree with student parties, but I don't think the boy must answer for all the student's behaviour. Uh, Catherine may be a well-spoken, intelligent woman, but she was arrogant on the air, and that was clear. She didn't give the young man a chance to speak. She kept talking over him. I know she's frustrated after the long summer parties, but it wasn't fair the way uh, she spoke over him. Uh, another text here, do students not realise that the longer this crisis goes on, the deeper it will get. There will be no jobs for them when they qualify from college. Also, if they are lucky enough to get a job, we will have so much debt 
that there will be generations who will be paying enormous taxes for the rest of their lives. Morning, there's only so much the students' union can do. Let the landlords throw them out of the houses and let the college suspend them. They're the ones that need to step up. The college and landlords. It's not just students having house parties either. I've heard of plenty of house parties happening and I know people having parties for birthdays and communions as well. Well said, actually, because it is a bigger community issue. Um, Students have all the support they need these days, but my dad is 90. He lived through the war years and he said that that was, said that that was worse than the pen, pen, hang on a second. My dad is 90 and he lived through the war years and he said that was worse than the pandemic is now. People have to make sacrifices. It's hard on the youth, of course, but this is a global cat- catastrophe. We will have problems like the UK colleges if we keep this crazy carry on happening. So your dad, who's 90, said uh, this is nowhere near as bad as things were, say, during the Second World War or indeed maybe even earlier than that. I don't think he was around for the troubles. I live in the Barrick Street area for five years, or at least I did, and I recently just left there. I feel even though students and young people are part of the problem on Barrick Street, we can't disagree that older people, many of them going into the pubs, going into house parties, going to dinner parties themselves, they're as detrimental to the situation as young people. Students are abusing the area, but I'm sure if we took all took a step back to look at our own activities, we'd probably realise that we're not all saints. Uh, well said, Rob, to uh, 0868104106. Gina, good morning. Good morning. Okay, and I know we're going back to perhaps I think maybe the 80s now, is that right? Yeah. Okay. Um, and the well, eighties and no. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. Well, you're comparing that nothing's changed since then, isn't that it? No, absolutely nothing has changed. You're treated like you know. Oh yeah, fine. You've had a miscarriage, um, and um, like you're lying in the bed, and then they're bringing in people who've just had babies next year, and everybody's in. They're all happy, and you just had like in the head, just going back. I used to have to say, "Would you mind? Would you mind just pulling the curtain there, please?" You know. And it's hard, and it's just it can't, it can't be that the staff don't know how to handle it. Yeah, you, you're you're in the bed next to them, having miscarried, is it? Yeah, yeah. And heartbroken, of course. Speak babies, dreadful, awful. But I didn't write in this morning about that at all. Okay. Because okay. my this, I'm up to date now. My daughter was in the UMH yesterday. Okay, in the emergency room, and herself and eight other women were sitting there for four hours and not one single person came to see them. Not nobody came to check that any of those women were okay. Which is horrific. It's dreadful. Yeah. Why yeah. is this going on? And this is how What I, happened after what know. happened after four hours? Did somebody eventually come? After four oh somebody they, the, the doctor eventually they were all waiting to see the doctor. These had all seen the nurse. So, and like, this is miscarriages are still happening in this room. And those women are there on their own with no partners, nobody. And are they, they short staffed there? Are they overworked or what? But you, you can't, you can't blame short staffing for not checking on patients. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. no, there's no excuse for that. Yeah. Not and a nurse, not a carer, not a security, doctor, not a doctor. Yeah. Nobody came to look a check on any of those women. Which is off or anything that I was saying to her, just ring reception and say, Can you know, I need somebody to see me. Yeah, did any of the eight of them over the course of the four hours go looking for somebody or anything? 
I don't think so. They're all in. They all had problems, and she was saying they weren't talking to each other, so they're all in their own little world, kind of worried. Naturally enough, they're in there because they have a problem. Oh, I see. It's the emergency room in the CUMH. It's the emergency, the emergency room in the CUMH. So explain that to me. <laughs> Now you're talking. Now I'm getting it. Yeah. I thought they were in for just a regular routine check. No, 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 no. And, and they were so worried that none of the eight had a conversation with each other. I thought what she was saying it was unusual because, you know, women were kind of good for talking. Yeah, yeah. And um, that nobody, so they're all sitting there and they're all worried and they'd no partners, they'd nobody with them to kind of fight their corner if they wanted to. There was no, but there was a big door. Nobody came through that big door to see that it was there anybody okay. I said, knock on the door. And eventually I said, just ring reception. And she said, eventually somebody came and the doctor was there, but that the doctor only sees people in between surgeries. So they don't even have a doctor in the emergency room. So they, the eight of them sat in silence for the four hours. Yeah. And and I'd say the silence was because they're all worried. Worried, yeah, I know, I know. You know, and it's like, like don't you always hear worse stories than your own in these situations? So nobody was talking. So it's just it's archaic. So whoever was the eighth woman that was seen was there a lot longer than it. My daughter. (laughs) So she was there much longer than four hours. Once the the doctor came, they all seemed to move fairly quickly. Or I don't know, she jumped the queue. Well, yeah, I don't know what happened. But she got home and she wasn't staying. So there. Yeah. So right. anyway, things haven't changed much. So a lot of room for improvement. I yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks for that, Jean. Appreciate it. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. I have to reply uh, to another mad caller you had on, that fellow Noel earlier in the week. He was on on Wednesday. Well, I wouldn't certainly agree with you using the word mad. Everybody is entitled to opinion, and there are alternative points of view, Tig, but fair enough. Uh, he was on a Wednesday. Uh, you had him on, uh, and uh, he gave us the biggest load of useless information that I've ever heard. And I want those 20 minutes back. What interested, what interested him was of no interest to me, and obviously not to you either. He gave us facts, he said, but there were facts he found online. Uh, why is he on the phone to you and not in uh, Dr. Ronan Glynn's position? Don't censor me, he says. What he means is, let me ramble on telling us stuff that we already know and other such nonsense. Uh, he says there's a massive economic crash coming. Um, he loves to hear his own voice. Uh, make a podcast, man, says Tyke. Well, I think he's, I think he's probably a little uh, late when he says that there's a massive economic crash coming. It's here. And what happened with Trump overnight is not going to help uh, world markets either. Big fan of your show. Listen to every podcast as I work night shifts. Thank you for highlighting the issues in the CUMH. It needs to be spoken about as one in five pregnancies end in miscarriage. I can't speak highly enough about the staff, but there are issues there for sure in respect to pregnancy loss. My point is that there should be a level of aftercare following a miscarriage. I saw firsthand the havoc losing our baby caused to my partner's mental health. She lost her job and spiraled into a pit of depression. Things are good now. She got help and now works in her dream job, but that was down to private and very expensive counselling. CUMH did nothing for us as a couple. They brought her back in a week after the loss, scanned her, confirmed everything was gone, and sent us on our way. To this day, the experience still affects me, and I have recently taken up counselling myself in attempts to move on. I believe in a first-world country in 2020. 
there should be more levels of aftercare from the HSE following pregnancy loss. Thanks again. It's important to highlight these issues and using your platform to influence change. Uh, no pressure to read this out, but if you do, don't give our private details. No, I won't. Uh, he describes himself as a man in mourning um, from the loss of their baby. I think it's very interesting as well that if you go back, if you went back, say, 20, 30, 40 plus years ago, people wouldn't even be talking about their miscarriages. They really wouldn't. The world has changed for the better in that regard, where now many people call programs like this and talk about um, you know, the tragedy of going through miscarriage. It wasn't even talked about back then. It, it was one of these things you just did not mention, to be honest with you. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Super text from all sorts of different matters of uh, opinion, but um, I'm just going to do a few of them now and then get back to some phone calls and then open up uh, different topics of conversation after 10. Please, please, everybody, spare a thought for the people of Cork who work in hospitality, who have mortgages and who have been or will be laid off for God knows how long. And our city council rises property tax in the middle of all of this. They are just cruel. I'd be off, I'd be better off in a state of the art council house with no worries and I won't have to pay anything towards it. What a disgrace, says John. Remind me actually to talk about the new builds, um, you know, the different regulations now for new build houses, for private houses and also for council houses because I was actually at a new build of a council house estate down in Yall earlier in the week. I mean, you would not believe how building regulations have changed and how houses are now built. I mean, you're talking about houses like with heating systems in them. That would mean that your heating and energy bills for the whole year would be 300 euro. I mean, think about that. Like you walk in the door of these houses with no heating on and they're warm inside. I mean, it's incredible. The finish now is just a million miles away from houses, say even even 10 years ago. And uh, they're getting better all the time by all accounts. Um, and uh, these the houses that I, that I were in that I was in actually were were houses that will be uh, sold uh, to Cork County Council. Uh, stop pushing this mask agenda on your program. There are people who genuinely can't wear masks. Do you even realize that people with hidden disabilities or victims of rape can't wear these masks? But they're being constantly judged and bullied because of those comments on mask wearing. I don't get it why people can't be kind and understanding, but instead they assume the worst about others. If you want to wear a mask, then that's fine. But don't push it on others as you don't know their circumstances. Another fast one here. This is crazy. I was in a supermarket yesterday at the deli and an idiot without a mask walks up and orders food. They stood right on top of an older man who was, of course, wearing a mask. It's really frustrating at this stage. It's the I'll do what I want attitude yet again. Um, (laughs) Thank you. I love being called names. Not. I won't be getting any vaccine for a glorified cold. There have been a hundred deaths in Ireland from COVID, you gullible fool. If someone falls off a roof and dies, and if they have a trace of COVID, the cold in their bodies, the cause of death is listed as COVID. Are people so stupid they can't see that the figures have gone up even after masks become mandatory? Anyone under the age of 65 without underlying medical conditions has no worries about getting this cold. All right. Am I supposed to challenge that text? I suppose I suppose I am. Uh, in my opinion, that uh, the original plan of social distancing, washing hands and not coughing or sneezing onto each other was a much more effective one than wearing these masks. The numbers are increasing since we introduced compulsory mask wearing. All the reason our great leaders gave us for not wearing masks at the start of all this shambles are still as relevant and much more manageable. 
Somebody's saying there that it only got worse since we started wearing masks. Um, back to the lines we go. Sandra. Hello. All right. Now, I want to come back to this later on this morning because it's conquers season, right? Chessies. Right. Do, pe- do people play chessies anymore? Well, we did the other day. What happened was my partner and I have a business in Demanway Town. Yeah. At a little craft shop we have. And my partner was across the road with his friend. And there's loads of conquers on the floor. So the, the lads decided they bring some home. And my kids loved it. It got them off Fortnite. Which is a big business. Yeah, but they brought the conkers into the house and the kids looked at them and said, what am I supposed to do with them? They said, what, they said, what is that? And we said, they're conkers. Well, they kind of knew from school and stuff, you know, with nature tables. And, uh, they, well, they knew what a chestnut, what chestnut was and we were like, they're conkers. And they were like, what are conkers? So we got some old shoelaces. Right. And we went and we took ourselves back to our own childhood. Wait a second now. You had, to, you had to kind of drill a hole or get a hole in the middle of it. <laughs> well, well, my partner did that. He's he's very handy, so he made the conkers. And we basically beat each other with conkers, because <laughs> that's what you do, isn't it? <laughs> a shoelace <laughs> will do the business, push it through the yeah, conker, the and then tie a little knot on it so it'll stay on. Yep. Yeah, and it got my son off Fortnite, which is amazing. Anything to get them off the computers. And what did he make of it like? I mean, I think there were... Oh, he loved you, it. He, he had the headset on. He, he still had the friends on, you know, on the chat. And he was screaming down the phone, we're playing Conkers, we're playing Conkers. And they were all going, what's that, what's that? So I think it's lovely to get them back to what we used to do. Isn't that amazing that he was experiencing something that he knew nothing about that you played as a kid? Yeah, and my daughter, she's 10, and she always says, I'd love to go back when you were young so we could play because it seemed way better. Because I'd be telling them, you know, you'd be out in the fields and running through cow poo and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) <laughs> not, not if you, hang on, not if you could avoid it, like not if you could avoid it. <laughs> Nothing better than the welly and the poo, you know. So, and did you tell them about the games then that the you played when you were small? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Now for Halloween this year, we're going to play the flower game, which I used to play with my grandmother. Uh, what you do is you get an old cooking, you know, the cherries that they used to old uh, use ages ago for the cooking. I don't know if people use them so much uh, do, anymore. They, were they called glacé cherries? They came yeah, in a little those plastic ones, tub. The yeah, disgusting things. Yeah. Oh God, I used, I, I, I used to love. I used to love. Oh, I used to gross. steal those. <laughs> oh, lovely! And what you do is you get a pile of flour, and you get a cherry, and then you put the cherry on the flour, and you cut the flour in slices, and whoever cuts the cherry off gets their face stuck into the flower. <laughs> and that's one game we'll be playing for Halloween this year. Who does the clean-up after all of that? Uh, I guess me. <laughs> so you'll have all sorts of Snap Apple Night. We used to call that Snap Apple Night, actually. Yeah, we'll be doing all that. Yeah, try, We're going to try and do it like we used to do it. Because I presume no one's going to be going out for Halloween this year. Like in our business now, and in Demand Way, we're going to have a little witch's walk. So all the kids are going to dress up as witches. And that's what we're going to do, obviously, social distance. And we're going to hand them out, hopefully, if they want them. If they don't, they don't have to take them some sweets. How will that work? Will they, go, they won't be going from house to house or anything, so they won't? No, no, uh, no, from outside the shop. We're just going to have a little march. Forgive me, forgive me. You have a shop in Dunmanway. Yeah. What do you sell? We do. We sell uh, lots of things. We sell crafts, mostly, and uh, soaps. And we have soap flowers. I was actually talking to you a while back about our shop. We're open now two and a half years, and obviously during lockdown it was hard. But we did a bit of um, 
delivery, you know. Yeah. All of it. Just You've got going. to. You've got to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you've got to, yeah. Okay, well, listen, yeah. good luck then with everything down, down, man. So particularly Thank with. You. The, did you, I imagine you probably are going to have um, a Conquer's championship now. We will. We will have a Conquer's championship. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> take care, take care. There's a lovely Conquer tree. Thank Cheers so for now. Okay, bye-bye. Listen, after bye, 10, bye, maybe bye. we might be able to get some more calls on this. The games we used to play, because people used to cheat at Conkers as well. I mean, some people would, I think, I think, I think if you had a really good Conker, you might roast it in the oven, am I right? Uh, and I think it might harden it up, so it would last longer. But what do you do with the Conker, you're probably asking? You literally... Uh, we'll explain it all after 10. Okay, let's do some shout-outs then for our free food Friday in association with Oak Fire Pizza. Six of the big ones, the jumongous ones, the large pizzas with loads of different sides will be delivered and desserts, mini cheesecake tasters for you as well. Morning to everybody at the Enniskeen Post Office listening this morning to everybody at Emma's Nails and Nick's Pinups in Holly Hill, to Leah and all of the gang at Apple on Lavitt's Key, to Didi Security in Ballycoreen who are listening, Wise Tech and Glanmire on board, Pat O'Donnell, Pat O'Donnell uh, Volvo and Glanmire are listening. Phelan's Pharmacy on the Baker's Road are mad vaccinating people to protect them from the flu all week long and they're starving. Uh, morning to everybody also at Phelan's Pharmacy in Line who are listening. To everybody at uh, Cheeky Pub's Dog Grooming. Morning, Ashling. To the gang at Tig Hawes Park Car Parts in Toker. The staff at the Kinsale Community Hospital listen every day. They'd love lunch. Ward GC of the Stroke Unit and the CUH. Morning all. Uh, here's an interesting one. These guys should get pizza anyway. Debenhams Picketers on Patrick Street. Maybe you'll consider us for lunch. We're five months and three weeks on the picket line, says Dolores. Um, anybody in favour of just letting the Debenhams picketers on Patrick Street win this morning and we just give shout-outs to everybody else? Just a thought. Uh, the girls in City Wax and Blackrock are listening as well this morning. So is everybody. O'Leary's Camera World on Oliver Plunkett Street. Enterprise Car Hire on Blackpool. Uh, Hickey's Pharmacy in Grawn. The Cork Registration Office on Adelaide Street. Good morning. Paddy Powers in Grawn. Blarney Community Play School. Nurtured Child Care on Blackrock. Amari on the Tremor Road. Kilkenny Shipping in Churchfield. MMD Construction up at the airport. Long Insulation. Uh, and also Riverview Vets in Ballancolic. We'll do some more shout outs across the rest of the morning. So text who you are and where you are to 0868104106. Thank you very much. And in case I forget, a good friend of the program and mine as well, Connor Brett's been in touch to say, Neil, can you wish my grandson, Bobby Brett, and all of his classmates a nice day today? They're making their first Holy Communion with the class in Gwaleskull Mahon. Mackin. Would that be Mahan? Um, e- either way, uh, to all of the class, uh, have a great day today. Your Holy Communion is important. And isn't it great that it's dry and sunny? So to everybody that's making Holy Communion today, all of you, have a good day today. Lines open one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Mixed bag for you this morning, and I will come back to the Conkers and the Chessies and the games that people play. But, um, Finbar, good morning. What do you think the reaction will be now to the decision not to ask the judge to go? I think it's the most contemptuous report. Why do we have to report on a man and ask him and to find out, did he do wrong in being there at the, the gig anyway? When, when he didn't, his answer was absolutely ridiculous that he didn't know there was another 40 odd people in the next room when only a partition. He couldn't hear 40 odd people talking and shouting and laughing and everything. Absolutely contempt. You've read, you've read, you've read the papers and looked at it then as to what, um, uh, yeah, retired Justice Dunham said. How can he make a decision in the future against anyone when he broke a major rule, a rule and a law that he brought in as Attorney General? 
How can he be... I, I thought that man might run away. In fact, they say, I made a terrible mistake. I'll retire. Or something like that, you know? It's very interesting, because somebody said to me last night, when this news was announced, um, now, I don't think that you would be up before uh, Justice Seamus Wolfe, say, for speeding, right? Yeah. Uh, um, and if you were up before him, you, you could say, I didn't know the speed limit was 80. I thought it was 100. I didn't know. Sure, how could he answer you? Yeah, he can't. He can't. When you think that Edna Kenny, a farmer teacher, Dick Spring, a farmer tanister, turned up for the same gig, realised that the crowd there was too much and went away. Now, we, we'll ask the European man, well, he was forced to, but he went anyway. We'll ask the Minister for Agriculture. We'll ask the Senator from Cork. Well, he resigned one position. Do you understand? Yeah. Why was he different? Why did we need the report to find out if he did wrong? I can, you know, was well, I think man. the report does acknowledge that there was wrongdoing, but that resignation, she said, would be disproportionate. It, I don't think so, because there was a case, just, just take this morning, or one restaurant in Cock this morning, there's a report of 50, as if 50 people might have got go uh, uh, out of it. There was 81 people there. Could you imagine what they could have spread when they, when they you just think of it. Oh, sure, I know. We have no idea what the figures in the next week or 10 days will be like. God knows. Yeah, it's like, it, 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 it's fascinating because there was a case in England there of 100 people were at a wedding and they'll have to find, you know, 40 people have it and six died from it. You know, it just, it just gives you an idea what these, these people, the contempt they showed for the people, at least the minister was in his position. He should have resigned altogether, completely from politics, and showed to Senator Charlie Bottomer. But should have resigned as well. But I'm just fifty-seven cases actually from that one Cork restaurant. Fifty-seven. 57 weren't they, yeah, weren't they very lucky actually that there wasn't a cluster outbreak from Golfgate? How do you know? It takes. I time. don't know. It, I don't it, know. It takes, it takes time to find out those things. You just can't get them over now. And you, you can, you can. If there's one or two people came out of that with it, then people would have to find out and go on to find out where were you for the last week and last month and all that. We don't know. Listen, that man should be ashamed of his life. And the fact that the government ordered an inquiry, did he do wrong? <clears throat> did he do wrong? Of course he did wrong. And I really. They said the report said the Denham report said that he had not been sufficiently vigilant about his position as a newly appointed judge, but the report also understood that he never had a course to become a judge or nobody gave him direction. But that would be, maybe you'd call that a bit of cop on, like, wouldn't you? All that needed was the two, the two gentlemen of the past, Spring and Enda and, and Kenny, saw the situation, saw it wrong, and backed away and said, no, no, this is wrong, we're not going in there. But the rest of them did it. And remember, we did a former minister as well as the government, uh, he is. He was there as, as, as one of the leaders of, of, of the banks. No, he, he he's not a manager to resign but, his position. But to, should any judge actually even be going to play golf at the Oireachtas? No. I, know, I mean, I know I'm revisiting he's, the story. He's, look, he's rubbing, he's rubbing shoulders with politicians, bankers. Like, how could he make an honest decision? If, if one person comes up before him, another person is from, from high, high society... He can't, he can't make, he, he really can't make an honest decision anymore. I know, I know, I know, I wonder what other people feel about it. Text 0868104106. It's, um, it's over now. I suppose we move on and there's not going to be any kind of political backlash to this. Uh, by the weekend now, some of the papers, I can imagine you think? the Independent on a Sunday now is usually very good and things like that. 
And I, I, I'm looking forward to reading that now. Okay, my friend. Thanks for your contribution. <laughs> Thanks, Finbar. Text 0868 104 106. Pick up the phone on 1850 104 106. Uh, I was talking with Michael O'Leary and Ryanair earlier on this morning. Owen says, Michael O'Leary from Ryanair, we want to stop complaining about the government and their green list. Stop threatening them that they're going to pull out of Cork and Shannon airports. Instead, he should start giving people their money back. I've been waiting since April now for my refund on two flights, and yet I'm still waiting. No emails, no contact, nothing. I do call before you ask, and every time I call, they put me on hold for 90 minutes, and they say, oh, you should see the refund in your bank account in the next five to seven working days. Here I am, twiddling my thumbs, waiting for my money back since April. That's happened Four times now. Six months on, I'm waiting to get €467. He should take a break from having a go at the government. Maybe get off his lazy ass and start working to ensure his customers are happy and be a good business person. Personally, I won't be flying Ryanair ever again. I, from now on, whenever I fly again, will pay the extra money for Aer Lingus. But I'll never give that man another cent of my money. All he wants to do is please his shareholders and screw the rest of us. If I were to ask the question, how many of you are still waiting on refunds, I'd say I'd get a week's program out of it. Uh, I'm the same as you actually, Owen. I'm still waiting on money back from Ryanair. And I'm also waiting on money back from EasyJet. And uh, they're not beating my door down to give it to me, I can tell you. Um, I'm not going to change the way I live. What really gets my goat up at the moment is that people are being so selfish uh, because we're not bothering about the protection of vulnerable, vulnerable people in society. One of your callers suggested that we lock ourselves away again and everyone else to just continue as normal. But for the past number of years, we all as a society have been making changes for the future of the planet with climate change so that the future is bright for the next generation. I'm a firm believer in doing everything for the good of the planet and living my life as best I can for everyone else's sake. But with how people are acting at the moment, they don't seem to care about my immediate health or future. I have respiratory problems. Uh, Why should I bother doing what I can for the future generations when they couldn't care less about my future now? By the way, I'm not going to change my way of life by protecting the environment and people. I'm going to continue to do that. But I am angry. And I feel like, why bother sometimes? And then a quick one here from Declan who says, the solution to the issue of house parties and students drinking and partying is to close the the off licenses uh, at 6 p.m. These facilities could sell drinks from 10.30 in the morning to 6 p.m. If you remove the evening sales, it stops the spontaneous late parties. The students would never purchase as much alcohol as needed during the day and they'd run out. So they couldn't invite big crowds back to their houses when the drink runs out. The pubs must also behave, says Declan. I saw an interesting report, actually, on the uh, Virgin Media News last night with Paul Byrne, their southern correspondent. He was talking to an off-license, not quite sure where. I think it might have been out the ovens direction. But that person who owns the off-license said, off-licenses are not to blame. We're here for all of the community, for everybody who wants to buy a drink. We do not issue the invites. We don't print the invites for house parties or indeed for student parties. It's not our responsibility and it's not our fault. We are behaving responsibly as an industry. Back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show. Alright, voice note then. I must be uh, um, psychic because I was talking about uh, the double page spread in the mirror this morning that uh, shows that the government do not have the confidence of the public and the mirror also says that the government does not have, or, or indeed that the Minister for Health does not have 
the uh, confidence of the public either. You can also voice note, voice note the program. You know the same text number, 0868104106. Uh, send the voice note to the WhatsApp section of that. Neil, just listening to the show there, this government are just incompetent now at this point. I mean, it's a litany of errors, uh, as they call it. I don't think it's errors. It's just absolute incompetence. That same Minister for, for uh, Education was on prime time over the last number of weeks, assuring the... Uh, the, the, the leading search students that the, the, the system of grading would have no errors like the UK. It would come out on top and, uh, you know, it would deliver basically. And here we are, you know, they're just incompetent. Like people should be demanding a general election taken to the streets because it's on post COVID-19 rules and they're clearly, clearly not up to it. So let's just stay with that voice note, actually, because it was interesting in what that chap had to say. His name is Seamus. Seamus, good morning. How are you doing, Neil? Okay. You're actually questioning whether... Trump has COVID. Yeah, I just I, I heard the news this morning, and I kind of laughed at myself when I heard of that uh, two days or three days after the debate, the first debate. It's all perfect timing. Um, I do believe I sent it on to one of my friends there in New York, in fact, um, and uh, he laughed at it as well. Because the first thing that was said to me when I came into work this morning by one of the lads here said, uh, "Do you really think that he has COVID, or is this some sort of a stunt?" Oh, well, it's not unbelievable to think that it could be a oh, come on. How, operate. how would you pull that off? Well, this is the man who uh, rigged the election campaign uh, four years ago to win as president. I mean, he, he used the Russians to, to uh, and obviously, what was that, that company? There was a, a British company involved in it. Uh, there's but, a documentary about it, in fact, yeah, on Netflix. But, uh, so they, they basically use social media data to, to influence people and their votes with fake stories. I mean, that, that's how he got into power. It's not by the political vote. And in fact, even if he does, um, there is a loophole in the, the, uh, in the, the American uh, Constitution uh, that will uh, allow his own party to question the, 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 the vote. Yeah, if he loses, they're saying that he wouldn't give up, he might yeah. not even give yeah, up power. But, that, but that, just, that, just that, get that back to this. I know, but get, look, sorry, let me just get back to the COVID-19 uh, as a, as a, a tactic. How? What, what benefit yeah. would it be to lie about coronavirus? Uh, to gain public sentiment. He'll come out as the hero. He'll come up with, he'll cook up some new, um, his political team obviously will cook up some new uh, strategy, that, for want of a better word, uh, to, to gain the public vote. So, you know, the public, he's not doing too well with the public at the moment. Um, Joe Biden is hardly the greatest candidate in the world either. Like, But I mean, w- when you look at this, that, that's that's his angle. That's how he operates. I mean, if you just look, if you watch the documentaries about this guy, he's he's the, he's the textbook sociopath, and that's how he operates. He'll try to win the public vote, and with that comes public sentiment and beforehand. You, you know, I think. That, do you think he, that I, do, that I do believe? I, I'm not saying you know he could have COVID nineteen, but it's not incredible to think that maybe he doesn't. And this is lies and another story being cooked up, fed out into the public. He'll come out then a few a couple of weeks later. Or else it could be a stall tactic or a delay tactic with the actual election campaign itself. So, I mean, there's a second and a third debate looming. He didn't do too well in the first one. He didn't, I mean, you okay, can't even debate with this guy anyway. He doesn't listen, you know. All right, but just, just let's, stay, let's stay on point here. Like, surely be to God, it actually won't help him in a presidential election because Americans will say... He's the one that was dissing COVID. He's the one that wouldn't wear masks. He's the one that was saying, you know, all these horrible things about China. And look at, he's got it himself. He's just a fool. We can't vote him in as breath. Surely if he were using this as a tactic, it would backfire. You think that? That's it. But this is exactly how he operates, though. If you look back, 
at the last campaign, if you look at if you look if you actually listen to the, the content that comes out of that 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 Leone Tunes mouth, to be honest with you, if you want for a better expression, it, it's all lies. Like he, he's very good at cooking up lies and selling it. He wraps things up and sells it as something and you realise it's something else at the but end. But the, the whole day. of the That's White the House would have to be the whole of the White House would have to be in on this. No? That wouldn't surprise me either. Uh, well, not, maybe not the whole of the White House. I mean, the, the, the best guy to speak to, obviously, is that guy, yeah, Brian uh, from, from RG. He's Brian O'Donovan, from, yeah. The information. Yeah, Brian O'Donovan, he's, he's great to watch, like, great reporter. But uh, at the end of the day, like, this guy, he cooks up lies, he cooks up fake stories, and he'll do it to remain in power. At the moment, the best thing for him oh, is... Oh, I know. Listen, I know what you're saying. Yeah, but we know doc- but doctors would have to be in on it. White House staff would be have to be in on it. His wife yeah, would have to be in on it. Yeah, you're right there. But is this the man who actually uh, sacked the, the, the head of the FBI, he or the CIA? Didn't he uh, replaced the Supreme Court just, Justice to, to suit his own? Uh, I, I, uh, listen, I know all of that. I, I would just yeah, think that. Well, he, there you go. There you go. If he, can, if he can do that, he can do. He can pay off anybody to cook up anything from him. The only thing that I hear that he has said so far is that <laughs> he. Um, he has COVID-19 and he's going to be minding himself and the wife as well. And that he said he's he's been meeting an awful lot of people from the army and he's been meeting an awful lot of American heroes and um, he's been yeah. meeting the public. And that he, all very, that resonates with that kind of tune that I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, and he wants you to know, be up close with people and he can't, he can't be shouting at people, stay away from me, stay away from me. And he says that's the price <laughs> he's had to pay. But see, this is the angle. I, 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 you know, I could be wrong, but you know, it's not inconceivable to think it. You know, when, when, when you're dealing with an individual like this, he's the textbook sociopath at the end of the day. We all know about it. Uh, you know, when this term ends, whether, I mean, this is the same guy that only dropped out there recently um, before the debate that should he uh, get into power again for the next four years, he would actually potentially uh, think about and have a discussion with the uh, White House and, and uh, re- you know, the relevant people about effectively rewriting the Constitution, something that Vladimir Putin is doing himself in Russia, to remain in power to, tw- uh, to the year 2036. I mean, this... No, I, I'm, missing, I'm, not, I'm not aware of that comment now. I don't know whether he did say that or not. There was, a, there was information leaked there recently. So it was in the news only in the last few I, weeks. I, I, I listen to what you're saying, but I can't say that it's anyway 100% factual. Maybe it is. I, know, I just I didn't hear it. Um, I, I, yeah. I, I do know that we'll have to wait and see because he, he potentially could get very sick. And of course, then... He, he, could, he could. Your conspiracy like, theories out the window. <laughs> that, that, that's true. What I'm saying is, I, I, to be honest with you, I heard the news and I laughed to myself. You know, given the the type of individual that he is and how he got into power in the first place, it's not inconceivable. He did sack the the, the, the people who are at the head of serious departments like the FBI. I know you've covered that. So, when, as a sociopath I mean, as you has a master plan, as you know? a sociopath as you describe him, he would do anything, including cooking up this story to gain public For sympathy to win the yeah. That's exactly how sociopath works, Neil. If you, you know, you read about the, you, these are textbook individuals. If you read the detail on these uh, types of individuals, that's how they operate. And so is, on that level, it's not inconceivable. And is social media alight with beliefs like yours? Uh, I don't know yet, actually, because the news was only revealed this right. morning. Okay. I, I laughed to myself and I texted my friend, actually, one of my friends in New York. He came back and he laughed and he said, people are thinking exactly the same thing over there. So I'm not the only one. 
Yeah, you know, I've seen texts already. Just... Seamus, Seamus. Uh, <laughs> another one here. I said exactly the same thing to my son-in-law this morning. I'd said to him, I think this is a scam. I agree 100% with him. Uh, although, there's another one here says, your man's crazy. He hasn't read anything about how Hillary forged documents to make it appear Trump rigged the election. She should be in oh. jail. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm not, this is nothing to do with Hillary. My comments are only about um, Trump ah. himself. I mean, that, she's another story, obviously. But I mean, yeah. just based on his power, I know what you mean. Though. Amazing. All right. Listen, appreciate you taking the call. Fair play. Stay in touch, all right? Well, thanks very much. Cheers. Well said. Thank you. I don't like Trump, but the media twist everything. For four weeks, I shopped, I stopped listening to media about Trump and instead listen to him. And he doesn't say half the stuff people say he says. It's all media for headlines. He's done more for the US than any other president. He's bad for Ireland, but he's putting US first, uh, which is what I like, says Aoife, um, Seamus, and perhaps others suggesting that this is a political stump, stunt, I should say. He hasn't coronavirus or COVID-19 at all. Morning, I said exactly the same thing to my partner this morning about Trump and covid I don't believe he has it, says Sam. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Great results. Uh, Brenda uh, decided to do a little bit of work there with regards to the picketers, um, the uh, Debenhams picketers. Where are my texts on that, actually? And I will know what I'm doing in that regard. We were reading out shout-outs there for our Free Food Friday a few minutes ago, and one of the texts came in from the picketers. Um, the Debenhams picketers, where is it? It says, uh, Neil, would you please consider us the Debenhams picketers in Patrick Street for your free food Friday lunch? We are five months and three weeks on the picket line. Thank you, says Dolores Mulcahy. And I suggested, does anybody think it'd be a good idea just to give the free food Friday this week to the Debenhams picketers? So here are the, some of the texts on that. Give it to the Debenhams staff. It's a great idea. Warm them up. Feed them. Give the food to Debenhams workers. They deserve it. Um, oh, please do, but don't forget the Debenhams Mahan Point protesters if possible. I'm so proud of my mother Geraldine Crowley and all the Mahan Point crew. They deserve a treat for lunch. And if you have a spare couple of million, that would be handy too, says Vicky. Morning, Neil. It's a great idea to give it to the staff of Debenhams as they've been fighting a long, hard battle to get what they've been entitled to and especially with the weather being so cold. So that's just a selection of texts. But I have great news for you because uh, Brenda spoke to Andrew Lowen at uh, Oak Fire Pizza um, and they are going to look after the Debenhams workers both the Patrick Street picketers and the Mahon Point uh, picketers so they're sorted for hot piping pizza and all of the sides and also some of the wonderful little mini cheesecake desserts and I will also be doing the regular food, free food Friday draw for everybody else. So that's a great result. The uh, Debenhams workers are sorted and we'll still have a weekly free food Friday winner courtesy of ourselves in Oak Fire Pizza. Remember, if you're thinking pizza at the weekend, then go for Oak Fire Pizza, Princess Street, Clonakilty and Bandon. They support us, so we should support them. Lines are open at one 850 You can text 86 uh, 106. And I know that it's a very busy morning with lots of different stories, but Friday's a day to have a bit of fun, right? And to, you know, I mean, do you know something? I, I know I talk a lot about COVID fatigue and I know that it's very important, but we can't be thinking about it and talking about it 24-7. We just can't because our, our the rest of our lives have to continue at the same time. And I think that's important. I hope you agree with me. So, it's uh, it's conquer season. It's chessy season. Cork historian Liam O'Higgin is always at the end of the phone when I need to talk to him about matters like this. Liam, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Conquer's season and chessies, huh? Full, in full swing at the moment. This is the season. <laughs> Pardon the pun. 
I was, I was listening to you there while ago about putting the hole in the counter and putting it on the, the, the storage sheet or whatever. In our time, you put it on the hob or you stuff it up in the hole up the chimney. And what was the reason for that? Was it to toughen it up and make it harder? Exactly. And if you forgot to put the hole in it, you were in serious trouble because when it came down, you couldn't get the hole into it. No, you had to pre-hole it then, pre-prepare. Exactly, exactly, yeah. yeah. Do, do, you, do you think that people have just forgotten about games like that, whether it's Conkers or Chessies or even Glacialis and Podgers and stuff? You don't see it. No, I brought home a load of Chessies there last year to the lads around there. I'm living there in Ballyfehan and I gave them the Chessies. And like that, they hadn't a clue what they were for. I tried to explain it to them and they ended up battering one another with the Chessies. Oh, <laughs> they, they, they were just... They were throwing them at each other instead of going looking for shoelaces, exactly, like. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, the, but you know, lots of games in our time, Neil, they're all gone now, you know, they like them. The girls now, they just play with their dolls and plans and they're playing up against the wall and playing a crappy roly-poly and, <laughs> and spin the bottle, kiss or torture. But you don't see that anymore. You know, they'd be all dressed up with their high heel shoes and all that kind of stuff. And they'd be playing nurses and doctors and that kind of stuff. But uh, the boys then had a a fierce selection of um, games they'd play, um, release, spin the back. Oh, no, I mentioned that. Kick the cat, pops, skipping, picky, cat and dog, handball, football, hoops, gobs, tug of war, mound of guinea. Who? Go back there, mound of what? Mount the guinea. That was a fella stooped down and you we'd all line up to jump over put his our hands on his shoulders and jump over his head <laughs> and all that. Jump over Mount his the, back, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Mount the guinea. <laughs> <laughs> Runaway knock was another very fit, very popular one, wasn't it? Right, right, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and swings, swings on the pole, you know the the girls would put the, the rope up the pole and they swing around the pole. Yeah, the USB pole or the telephone pole, whatever. And uh, that was very popular. But it was grand last time because, you know, there was very little traffic and they could swing over onto the road, kind of. But it stopped. I think it was in the, six, the early 60s, some child swung over onto the road and she got <laughs> And got a smack of a car. And, you know, when yeah, you talk yeah. about spin the bottle, you know, for those that played it, of course, it's, we know what it was. But there's a whole generation that haven't a clue what it was. So what was spin the bottle? Spin the bottle was a, a group of boys and girls form the circle and you put the bottle in the middle of the circle and you span it around span and it and if the top they'll spin it around no no I love span it I love it I love it I love it <laughs> actually there's loads of words like that that we use in cocker that people don't know what <laughs> he spanned the bottle and <laughs> rain and all that kind of stuff but you uh, spin the bottle around and if the top of the bottle didn't point to that girl and the end of the bottle the boy, you'd have to kiss the girl or she'd have to kiss whatever and there was they slagging over it, you know. If if it kind of stopped at the same girl three or four times, they were getting suspicious. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> a rigged bottle. Pitching toss was another one. It was called thick. You know, you put down a, a jack on the, and uh, normally to be on the soft surface. Soft, soft, and uh, there was one garden there in Twenty Five Henry Street. To the only garden we knew at the time because of no belly fair. No, crime had just been built that time. But yeah. um, you put down a stone. It was called the jack. And you pissed your halfpenny or a penny down to the jack and whoever was nearest then would have the opportunity of uh, throwing the, the coins up in the air. And if they came down two heads, you won all the money. And if it came down head and a half, you could get half the money. 
and if it was, was so happy, <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was gambling. <laughs> oh, it was, yeah, but it was only for a penny, I'll hate me, you know. That, that was, and of course, if you were playing cards, we said Dan or Pantone or a Niner, and you'll be playing again for a penny, and um, if I ever come along, and you've, you've, you've been a circle, like, and uh, normally down the quarry in um, Bratton Street, there where Patrick Henley buildings are now, and uh, some guy would come along, and he'd just stand outside the circle, and he chose, what did the sheep say on the mountain? And we'd all say, bear, and you drive in, and everyone grabbed the money, you could, you got as much money as you could get. And that's all where we got the term all about, then, was it? All about, yeah. That, that was... It was helpful rather than trying to pick up the pennies and they'd, they'd be more there really. <laughs> but um, the, you know the game that the, the, the girls used to play with very often were the Chinese. They'd, they'd put broken delts, you know, saucers and cups and all different colours and they'd, be, they'd have a little style set up and the, the footpad and they'd be swapping uh, the Chinese. And for, for though, of course, society has very much changed now with regards to you know boys and girls, male and female. But, but way back in the day, then, if the young girls were more interested in the boys' games, they were called tomboys, weren't they? Correct. And if you weren't interested in the girls' games, you were called a sissy. You were a sissy. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Hold on there a second. Don't go anywhere. I just want to get some more people on the air here. And John Morgan wrote a beautiful piece called "The uh, The Games We Played." He joins me by phone. John, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? I'm well, my man. So it's conquer season, chessies, and you wrote a lovely piece. Were, were you into the chessies, or were you more glacialis? I, I suppose I was into both, really, especially in school now in the North Man. Back in the 80s, we'd have played them all the time, you see. Chessies and, or, or um, glacialis? Well, I suppose chessies was the big thing, really, that we played in the North Man, but you would have the glacials then or the marbles, whatever you want to call you'll be playing that at home on the estates or with your friends, you know? And what? And the whole idea of that was you needed to get as many alleys from the other fellow, of course. That's the thing, you see. That's what it was all about. And then you'd have your collection, you see. And you build it up and up then over time. And it was a great game. It just kept us going for, for hours on end. Like, the glacials were brilliant. You'd see them now in the shops, all right, here and there. But I suppose the kids don't really play them as much, I don't think. Yeah, because it's, it's an outdoor game, isn't it? It's got to be played on footpaths and street corners and up against walls and things. You see, that's it, like, and you could play with all different fellas, and it was just, it was just great, it was, it was back in the day there when, like, you know, there was not many computers or things like that, and everything was done outdoors, you see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, like, you, you talk about words that are synonymous with Cork. Did you ever hear the word higgyback? <laughs> I did. Oh, higgyback, I did. I actually put that in the poem. That's, um, we used to do that as well. That was just, when you put someone on the back and you go racing, wasn't it? <laughs> A higgyback. Where do you come up with these bloody words? A higgyback, yeah, that's exactly what we used to call it now back in the time. Back right. In the what, day. what else was there? There was runaway knock, wasn't there? There was one for you. Kicking the can was another one. Hide and seek. Kicking uh, the can. What's a ledra? Ledger, no, what that was, what we had now, it was a ball back in the 80s when we was playing, we was playing the soccer, and it was like, how do you describe it? No, it was like thick leather ball, and what would happen after time is it would start peeling away, little by little by little, until there was actually practically no, no leather on it at all. Uh-huh. But we just played, and it, like the thing about that ball, Neil, is if that ball hit your head, you weren't getting up. <laughs> 
it was just it was just a solid ball and we just kicked it around constantly and it just seemed to last forever but it just peeled all over the place by the time you got to the 80s though surely you had BMX bikes and were cycling places no? oh we did we had all the bikes then as well we did but um, it was just it was just these things stick out no because like you say with the bikes like bikes are a big thing now obviously with the cycling but the likes of the ledger and all that I don't think you'd see them balls anymore. But there was a, there was understand. kind of like a cork version of cricket as well, wasn't there? It was a kind of a, a mix between sort of cricket and ba- and ba- and basket baseball, wasn't it? Yeah, rounders is what we used to call that now as well. And to be honest with you, Neil, I don't even know if we know how to play it right. We just got the bat and we hit it. And what, what I remember, fellas were running and they was fighting over it, but it was still a great laugh. We probably thought, no, like you said there, that we knew how to play cricket, but we didn't. <laughs> Made it up and as you went like along. A, but you went along with it and you played along. It was like with the tennis as well. We all thought, back in the 80s, we were great tennis players when Wimbledon was on. And so you, you just you hadn't a clue, you see. But it was great. You get, I can even remember, was it in the pound shop or something like that? You'd get the old tennis racket. And for the two weeks then Wimbledon was on, that's all you you played. That's when right. It was over. That's right. That was the end of it. Yeah. Everything had its season. Did you play conquers though? You did. Because uh, oh, I did. I did. I used to love that. I no, not bragging, but I was a bit of a champion. All right, back in <laughs> back in the school because uh, I used to have some huge conquers, and I always remember that like I'd won conquer. There just seemed to go on forever. To no one seemed to beat me with it, like. And what happened eventually? eventually. Just to explain Smash. for those that, yeah, just to explain how you play chessies. What is it? What well, we used to play? No, we used to tie him up, obviously, with uh, the shoelace, and DM then was basically to hit the opponent's chessie with it and and smashes. And once you done that, then it was like you got a score. And from what I remember, that you just keep getting the score up and up and up, and. Obviously, then the Conquers were a bigger version of the Missy. And, you know, that's from what I remember. So you had a Conquer, I had a Conquer. They were both hanging on strings or shoelaces. I hung mine down and your Conquer, you'd you'd be able to swing at it with yours. You'd swing at it and I'd try and hit yours. And I'd hit yours and nothing might happen. Then you'd hit mine again. And it would go on a little bit for a while. And probably then one of, maybe yours and mine would crack. And eventually then when it breaks, then you're the winner. And I think you got a score then far in the stars, I remember. And you'd move on to the next fella then that might be waiting in line. And you were a bit of a hero, didn't you see? If if you kind of got multiple wins, if you know what I mean. Yeah, but how would and, it feel then when the championship conquer would smash or crack? Oh, sure, jeez, when that happened then it was all over. You know what I mean? That was like, that was like a trophy to you, you see. You'd come in every day and you'd like... You wouldn't exactly look forward to school, but you'd look forward to going into school with your conquer because you kind of felt like a bit of a king. (laughs) Oh, you would. Once that was broken, then it was kind of back to the drawing board. It was almost like you were back to the end of the line. Like losing a good friend kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, no, when you're young. My dog died. My conquer broke. Oh, we, I love the conquers. I, I, I actually couldn't wait to go in school. When when I had that that big conquers and but look I don't know how they play it anymore in schools I don't know really I think actually Liam I think you'd agree I think it'd be great if we could get conquer season going this year or indeed get more people out playing glassy alleys and street corners what do you think Well this was the season on the conquers September yeah and um, 
you know, the, the kids aren't interested, Neil. They're not interested. I, I wouldn't be down on the kids. Like, if they were shown what it was all about, maybe they would. Maybe so, maybe so, yeah. yeah. But, you know, they'd be too lazy to go and collect them, you know, anyway. <laughs> well, why don't people think about it over the weekend? Because it was Kieran Barry pointed it out to me because he says there's loads of them on the ground everywhere, and he was just but saying to me on the phone. Are, actually. Yeah. yeah. So maybe if people have time at the weekend because the sun is shining and it'll be dry, get out with your kids, collect some of the chessies, um, drill a little hole in them with any kind of way of doing it, um, get a shoelace or a length of string, and have fun. Would want to be along with a string now, Neil, because you'd have to keep your distance. Ah, yeah, well, I mean, you know, you, there you go. Maybe we wouldn't want to be hurting the knuckles of the precious children. I don't know, but, you know. No, I know. It's, 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 I can never say I'm coming back, I'll be honest with you, now. Okay, well, let's... Like, you know, there, well, so, I mean, there's no kid going to stick his nose into a dish of water, no, to put all the, uh, an apple and get a penny. Are you joking me? If there was a two euro coin inside in a, a bowl of water, inside in an apple, kids would go for it. I don't know, would they? <laughs> their parents would probably be afraid they'd drown or something. <laughs> what do you think, John? Do you think that? My kids would go for that, Neil, all right. What? Anything to do with money. My kids would put <laughs> uh, the face in for the snap after all right. Don't probably, worry. I think they if probably would. They're in there. They're game, they're game for it, don't worry. All right. Listen, John, I haven't spoken to you before, but it's a pleasure catching up with you. Do stay in touch with anything Cork, all right? I will, of course, thanks. Thanks, Neil. Cheers, my man. Fair play to you. And you too, Liam. Oh, Liam, I suppose you probably heard that you need it is closing. John Coffey's going to retire. That's correct. That's correct. Because um, I called him recently. The um, books there that I had um, doublers, as I used to call them. He wouldn't even take them off me for free. What are they? What are Um, doublers? You know, if you had had two two books the same, you know, you would get rid of the, the, the extra one, like. And um, I just took him in to get rid of him all on my way. I was, de- I was decluttering for the, during the lockdown, and I was trying to tidy up my den, and um, here he wouldn't take them. Sure, if he, he, he can't, if he can't, I suppose he wouldn't take them because he couldn't shift them and they'd only be taking up space. Well, <laughs> Chanel, again, all getting back to the youngsters and everything, there's not, not even the youngsters, the people like us, they're all, they're more now online. There's, there's very few people all reading on people of one age. Well, by year, January, I don't know about you. No, I mean, like, uh, you'll be way, way, way older than me. <laughs> but <laughs> I still I still read books, I have to say. I just prefer a book in my hand. I'm I really sure old book is fine. But Neil, just before we go away from the games there, you know, with what's going on, at, I know we're all sticking to the, the coronavirus now. I know, but we have a bit of enough of it, I think, sometimes, you know. We have, we have. But just to take it back, I can go back to the 40s when we had an epidemic of TB. And I can remember living in a tenement house in Henry Street and being out in the middle of the road with my friends and other people that lived in the house while they were fumigating the house for um, TB. And uh, the only thing we had attempted to counteract it was um, DDT, which turned out to be poisonous after <sighs> we were running on the beds and on the mattresses and everything. And... Um, that all the, the public swimming baths were closed and the, the spearing in the river leaves banned. And How long did it go on for, the TB scare? It went off for about um, nearly two years, I'd say. And in 1956, if I remember rightly, um, Cork actually lost two All-Ireland finals, the holding and the football. And they were, the supporters in Dublin were delighted because they didn't want any supporters going up to, um, to Dublin. And even people attending... Universities in Dublin 
Aston Cork or Astro Delay returning up to Dublin. And was there was there a complete lockdown, was there? Well, yeah, I mean, there, there was really. The schools were closed and um, the, the, what, as I say, all the swimming was cancelled. And the, what they blame for it, actually, the, the, the advice they give the parents, don't let your children play too much, feed them well and get them to bed early. Now, back in the 40s and the 50s, feeding us well was an egg. I mean, if you had an egg, you'd be bursting about it. You know that kind of way? And if you had a chicken for your dinner, your mother would be shouting, yeah, come down for your dinner, come down for your chicken. <laughs> <laughs> your, fillet, your fillet steak is on the table. <laughs> oh, stop. But did many people die? I mean, I was Googling it. I came up with lots of different articles on it. Dan Buckley and the examiner was saying back 10 years ago um, that uh, in Dublin alone, in the 1950s, Teague Beak in Dublin alone killed more than 10,000 people a year. Well, I'm not sure. And more than half of them were children. Yeah, well, you know, killed adults too. But what are you no, saying no, no, no. is that it was more? It was much more of a terror than COVID, is it? Well, it was. I suppose because we didn't have the. Um, I suppose the, the biggest terror, terror of the whole lot was the polio, because you know we didn't know anything about the polio, and you had this thing called the iron lung and all that kind of stuff. No people died from it, but not to the extent that they're dying from the coronavirus, right? But there was pandemonium, and they blamed the flies. And that time, flies were, you know, the, the whole place was riddled with flies that time around all the shops. They'd be landing on the windows and all that kind of stuff, you know. And then um, we had fly paper hanging from the ceiling with sticky glue on it. And all the flies were stick onto the paper, right? And you had that hanging over your But did you know of people you know? who got TB back in the 50s or who even died? I do. I do indeed. I do indeed. I do indeed. My, my own aunt. My own aunt was a widow at... 42 years of age, and her husband died from TB in the 49, I think. 48 or 49, no, I'm not sure. Mm. No, he was only just one. But lots of, there were lots of tenement houses in the, that time, uh, Neil, and the sanitation and everything. Just, you know, it was nothing compared to what we have today. So it was a breeding ground for all sorts of illnesses and diseases and all sickness. Diseases, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you had, you had the, the polio, you had smallpox, you had TB. In, even the flu that time was a big deal, you know. It was a, it's still a big deal, I know, but... Um, you know, all those kind of But they hadn't the, the equipment that they have today. And everyone was put on the left, the right cross, you know, and that kind of business. You know, that, um, there was kind of pandemonium about it. Right? interested to know how many people contracted TB in the 50s and how many during that. Was it, was it a pandemic, I wonder? Because was this happening all over the world? Well, I, I'm not sure. You know, I, I, I'm not sure, to be honest with you. Just to be a child, you kind of don't take too much notice of it. It's just the Irish Times said in Ireland, even though the incidence was dropping because of better housing and general social conditions as time went on, the Irish Times says TB was still a huge killer in the first half of the Irish in uh, the last century. Entire families were wiped out. Strong young men and women were ravaged by what was known as galloping consumption. That was it. That was it. Consumption. That's what it was called as well. TB, tuberculosis, that's, that was the official name for it. But again, you know, like like um, the medical officer at the, at the time was uh, Dr. Sanders, and um, he just, you know, the first week, it wasn't the first week in July, and he said an epidemic was imminent. So they were expecting it, and by the following week, the first victim was a five-year-old girl, and she passed away, um, and, you know, it, it caused a panic, really, especially around Cork. And you see, Neil, when the bats were closed, and the leaf, the bats in particular, 
to make a comparison with the day with the lockdown. When our bats was closed back in the 50s and we couldn't swim in the league, that was all. That was all Spain, Portugal. <laughs> well, that, 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 that and y'all, I suppose. Well, well, we all retired. Y'all was the only beach in the whole world. <laughs> and I mean that, like, and, you know, between y'all and Trasier, there were the only two beaches I saw. It might, be the, it might be the greatest beach in the whole world, though, y'all. Certainly well, for childhood, childhood memories. To me, it is, anyway. <laughs> but, um, no, they, you know, there was pandemonium at the time, and to know the same thing else, it was a very serious situation. All right. Okay. Okay. No. I'll, I'll see if I can get the numbers and the figures and the stats on it, uh, maybe over the okay. course of the next It'll be interesting, month. and your comparison with what's happening today. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, my friend, as always, pleasure catching up with you. Take care, Liam. Thank you for having me. Anytime, Cheers. bye. Cork Thank historian you. Liam O'Higgin. Text 086-8104-106, lads. Back after the break. My apologies for now to Chrissy and to Joan. Is that okay? Just after 11? The Neil Prenderville Show. 104. Four to 106 Red FM. Interesting suggestion from Seamus earlier on that uh, this is just another example of Trump fake news. I wonder what Melania makes of the whole thing, actually. Uh, I do know that Trump was tweeting overnight, and the whole idea is that they feel that he got it from um, Hope, um, who is on his staff, Hope Hicks, and that Trump, I don't know how she feels about what Trump had to say, he says that he feels that he probably got it from Hope Hicks and she got it from members of the military or law enforcement. I mean, why would you say something like that? He did say it's very, very hard. This is Trump's spin on everything. It's very, very hard when you are with people from the military or from law enforcement and they come over to you and they want to hug you and they want to kiss you because I've done such a good job for them. <laughs> Just, you can't stop this guy. Anyway, back after 11 and one 106 And one of the reasons somebody sent to me that you don't see people playing conkers anymore, kids playing conkers or glassy alleys, is that they're banned from school. And back in the day, you always brought your conquer into school and you had the conquer leagues and championships during the breaks. Apparently, schools have knocked that on the conquer head. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prindeville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Free Food Friday, just ahead of the phone calls. Uh, keep those texts coming. Text 086-8104-106. Curtis here for yourselves. An Oak Fire Pizza, Princess Street, Clonakilty and Bandon. We'll sort lunch for the whole work team. That's six large, large pizzas with different sides. Wood-fired baby potatoes, garlic bread, dips, drinks and homemade mini cheesecake tasters. Uh, and all of the bits and pieces you need. Cups, cutlery and napkins and everything you can order pizza online oakfirepizza.ie um, and they're delivering um, everything you know you win today it's delivered next week except for the Debenhams workers they will get it uh, today now some shout outs Wilt the gang everyone in Wilton in all of the different companies alright Kira, Debs Joe Mark Jen Bart uh, morning to everybody Apex Insurance on the Mall Magic Vacations in Kinsale are listening Absolute Essentials in Middleton Ghoul's Vet Clinic in Mahan are listening Aura in Yall are listening Expert Attic Conversions in Mallow working hard are listening the nurses and the mental health services for older people in St Mary's are on board Dupuy in Ring of Skiddy NGC Construction in Shanagari listen every day. So does the um, the hardworking staff in the emergency department at the Mercy Hospital. Image Beauty in Farinry, AP Vaughan Recycling and Tower, the Radisson Blue Hotel in Little Island, Cheeky Cherubs in Balancholic, Hurtle in Whitegate, Hegarty Accountants are listening this morning, Europe Car at the airport, Hammond Lane in Ringeskiddy. Uh, who else have we got for you? The Clinical Research Facility at the CUH. Um, thank you. Even the Debenhams workers are coming back saying thanks now, which is lovely. O'Driscoll Plantire in Ballygarvin, Jerry 
Village personal trainers in Ballancolig and Glanmire. Bathroom builders would love a treat. So were the gang at Irwin's Pharmacy in Mayfield. Here's an example of people coming back and saying thank you. Um, actually, they're just lovely. Thank you from all of the staff at... Uh, Oh, sorry, all oh, the ex-staff of, of Debenhams. Michael Kennedy, Agri-Plant Hire in Middleton. Carney's Coach Hire. Um, the Debenham Strikers in Mahan Point uh, said, we're frozen down here with the biting wind and the driving rain of yesterday. We might be cold, but we're not going anywhere until we get a fair deal. Well, you guys hang in there and there's hot pizza on the way to you. Um, and also the Irish home care staff who are listening this morning uh, and everybody at Shirley's Beauty Clinic in Brookfield in Glanmire. So I'm up to date. So we'll do another blast of shout outs uh, again in about a half an hour's time. Uh, thank you. Um, the Patrick Street Debenhams picketers came back and said, thank you, Neil. Thank you to Oakheart Pizza. It's so appreciated. And we're looking forward to our lunchtime pizza. Well, don't be thanking me. Thank the good people at Oakfire. For sorting you out. I'm delighted to be part of that. Meanwhile, back to the phone lines we go. Chrissy, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Okay, we were talking about the games people play um, and it's conquer season. The chessies are on the ground, but the kids wouldn't know what to do with them. Yeah, and uh, the point I was going to make is either John or Liam that were on made it after. It was, do you know the point of the game? If you know what I mean, just how it was scored. And Go on, tell me all about that because I can't remember. Well, the, the battle cry was conquer any fella for shot, conquer two, or conquer any fella for shot, conquer 20. And that meant that if you were the, the guy issuing the challenge, and it was boys that played, I never remember girls playing it. Anyway, I had a few shots myself. Oh, well, that made, you a, that made you a tomboy. Did you know that? No, I was a lady. <laughs> Still am, Neil. Still am. I know you are. I know. <laughs> anyway, um, they issued the the um, the challenge. So, like, it meant that their the conquer they had was after not breaking that many before. Whether you were starting off at one or whether you had reached the grand total of twenty. So that was the. the you know that was the point. So, so Conquer was, Twenty demolished twenty conquers in its life. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So and that was it. Was there money involved? Money? No. <laughs> <laughs> There's no money at that time. At that age, and you, well, no, that's the toroid that we had to put into the conjuring box. <laughs> that's another story entirely. What's a conjuring box? Um, they usually came in the shape of a, a post office. You know, usually in red, so that'll tell you where they came from. Yeah, I'm only, um, I'm only, I'm only winding you up because I had one actually, which was, um, it was in the shape, it was metal, but it was in the shape of a book, a small little book, and the money went down the top of it, and I think I got it from the Cork Savings Bank. Would that be right? That's you put, what I was just going to say. That was many years after. The and it had a little time. lock on it. I didn't have the, I didn't have the bloody key, but it was a lock on it, and I'm sure my parents would open it from time to time and give me the money. Oh, we were all after getting sensible at that stage by the time they came out. The conjuring box. Conjuring. And what was... Can- I, I what, think what was- it was like coaxing or something like that. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, it was just for pennies and coppers and bits and pieces like that. And what yeah. was cat and mouse then? Cat and mouse was played with um, with a hurley and with um, a kipping or, you know, a kingling. And you hit the end of it, and if, if it rose in the air, you hit it, and it 
I can't really remember the details. It's a very complicated yeah, game to me. The nearer you got, the nearer you got to a given point, you know, the more scores, the nearer, you know, you, you were far. Just a bit like and, and the girls had their own games and the boys had theirs, you're saying to me, is it? Yeah, the girls used to play uh, The Farmer Wants a Wife <laughs> and Nuts and Me. Wait a second, what, 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 was that a rhyme, The Farmer Wants a Wife? It was a the farmer wants a wife. There were two rings, and the outside picked the wife. There was one person put in the middle, and he, he, she was the farmer. So you went one went outside ring went clockwise, and the other went anti-clockwise. And do you remember the rhyme or the song? Um, the farmer wants a wife. He ho Mary oh, the farmer wants a wife. <laughs> And then it went, somebody <laughs> chose the wife for the farmer, and they went to the inner circle. And then the wife wants a child, the wife wants a child, he, ho, marry, oh, the wife wants a child. <laughs> and they went in. And there was a bit more after that, and whoever was at the end, their back was clapped. Or, you know? So. I know. And hours of fun, I suppose. Picky was another yeah. one, right? Picky, yeah. All you and needed for that, all you needed for that was an empty shoe polish tin and a bit of chalk. Yeah, or a flat stone. Uh, there you are. Yeah. Yeah. Or, um, and then the boys used to do French knitting. So that was mostly in the winter time. They, when they were seeing them, uh, there you get the craft packs now, doing them with the, the spool from, you know, from the sewing machine or the hand And how did you play it? And, and you, you knit a tube. And nowadays you, you could, um, when you have it finished, when you have a lint, you decorate a plain sweater with it or something like that, or you could make um, little coasters. The boys would do that? The boys, only the boys. Because if I, if I remember correctly, there, were, you know, the, the, there was a real division of boys and girls, and girls had their games, and boys had theirs, <laughs> and they, they usually, like, boys didn't usually play skipping. I don't think they played piggy yeah. all that much, did they? I don't think so. They, they they would have, but they would have had walking can braces then. They'd make um, like little, you'd have a, um, an empty peas and beans or can and there'd be two holes made, one on either side and you'd have a length of rope that you'd go, you know, would go through the two holes with an at the end of each of them. Yes. And you'd cross the length that was comfortable for you to walk along with them. So you were like on stilts of tin cans. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Like to anything yeah. could be adapted into a toy. It Literally. Could. Yeah. Piece of wood, a conker, an empty can, a flat stone. Yeah. Amazing. And gobs. What were they? You played them with little stones. Oh, how many you could my throw up in the air and catch it? My aunt Julia was a dinger at it. And she, she used to teach our family. But you, you'd have, I think it was five little stones or gobs in the palm of your hand. And you'd throw them all up and you'd turn your palm over and it depended how many you could catch at the top of 
on the pa- on the back of your hand, yeah. The back of your hand, yeah. All gone now. And all of a bit more complicated than that. I never really got. Well, you you, you do a, if you had huge big shovels of hands, you're doing an awful lot better than someone with a dunchy little hand, I suppose. No, my aunt is a very dainty hand, and she really was a dinger. All right, thanks, Christy. You're great. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Happy days, thanks. Karen. Good morning. Hiya. Thanks, Holly. So your nine-year-olds are into the chessies, are they? Yeah, just the one. <laughs> oh, sorry, your nine-year-old son, my apologies. Does he go out and collect them? What does he do with them? Um, well, it depends really on his mood. But he does play with them. He puts the string through them. Um, otherwise, he'd put Play-Doh all around them and make them his characters. <laughs> but he understands what Congress are about. He puts string through them. Does he have games with others then and start a bit of a league going around? Oh, them? yeah. Like, they're doing it for years himself and his classmates like they come out of school they're only across the road from Balkan Park and straight away around this time of the year they're like oh come on we go over we'll have a look they wouldn't have any interest in the slings the slides they're all down the bottoms of the trees looking for the conkers and then when they've got them they get the good ones get the little yeah. hole through it but the th- string through it and away they go yeah that's great news I'm delighted to hear that someone's still playing it no they're they always play it so like it's Friday now he'll come out of school or oh, can we go over just for a look this is so the season for it absolutely yeah. yeah great news delighted to hear that let's see if there are others that are still engaging are you, are you um are you remembering and reminiscing of the games you played as a child yourself uh, well like I had no interest when I was a child with him but my brothers did no like, but anything yeah. do you recall any other games you played as a kid like, we were listening now with the rounders. We used to always play that when we were younger as well. And that involved, of course, loads of running. You see the news this morning where they're talking about what we're feeding our children, particularly those under five. You know, are you aware of all of that? Yeah. Way too many biscuits, way too many crisps, way too much sugar. Um, and that's why they're developing weight problems. But back in the day, you literally could run all of that off. Exactly. But it wasn't like... Even when I was younger, she's about 20 years ago, like there wouldn't be a pack of crisps in the house. There wouldn't be, like we just didn't have it, like. But now, Whereas, but now, now they're multi-packs. Yeah, yeah. And it could be just dealt with, oh, that's just something you can have between meals. But actually, I don't want to yeah. be engaging in doom and gloom, but it's a lot more serious than that now, isn't it? It is. Like, if I said to them, like, oh, mom, can I have a pack of crisps? said there's none there I'd be killed <laughs> if they're not in the house yeah like there's none there now but like that if I like when I used to say to my mum oh I'm hungry I'll have a piece of fruit that was it you know and that's what they're recommending now swapping yeah. much of those kind of treats for fruit uh, you know more healthy options and what have you listen yeah. appreciate you taking the call thanks so much I'm going to blast through calls here thank you for that much obliged thanks Karen Joan good morning Morning, Neil. Or should I say Nigel? No. Neil, <laughs> Nile, Nigel, Nigel, Nidge. Sorry. I don't know. I don't care. Neil, sorry, that's predictive texting for you. <laughs> oh, I see your text, yeah. Hi, Nigel. Thanks a lot. It's a nice name all the same, though. It is, actually. All right. So you, did you, you were one of those who used to swang off poles. Oh, yeah. You were yeah, a pole yeah. swanger. I was definitely that. And then when you grew up, you were a pole <laughs> dancer, I suppose. Well... And <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I used to, we used to tie a rope around the um, the poles, the SB pole. Yeah. And um, we used to go up on top of the bars, 
and tie it around you and swing off it. Just, just swing around it. You know, and I remember my father found out I was on top of the pole. <laughs> How do you mean on top of it? Like you went up to the top? You know, when you sit on this on the rope, you put the rope around your waist. Yeah. And you kind of sit on it. And when I'd go, I'd stand up on top of a railing. There was a railing by the pole. Oh, and I'd stand yeah, up yeah, the yeah. And I'd support myself with the rope. I'd swing around it. So, 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 um, Leo Mahigin was saying that that was very much frowned upon when, unfortunately, some girl who was swinging like you were swung out onto the road and was hit by a van. Yeah. Quite dangerous, quite dangerous. And if I had, if I see anyone doing that today, I'd freak. I'd actually freak because it was dangerous. Yeah, I wonder. Do are we? Are we? Mod- yeah, but I'm wondering when you think of the games that people used to play and the weight problem in children now. Are we modelly coddling them too much? You know. Maybe, maybe so, maybe so. The games were very simple then. I remember we used to go into, into the shilling stores and buy scraps and buy scraps and we used to swap them, lovely angels and Victorian pictures. And wasn't, so Mrs. Miss, wasn't Mrs. O'Driscoll still selling swaps up on Shandon Street in the toy shop? That's right, that's right. But it was the shilling stores I used to go to. You know, I remember a tiny little shop and the games were so simple. Picky, we used to play picky and we used to play French skipping. With elastic. That's a new no, one on no. me. I don't know. French I don't know. But, yeah. We used to tie all the elastic together and we'd tie them the whole lot. So there'd be four of us. You know, there'd be four of us play the game. You know, it was, it was very simple. They were simple games. Yeah. They were very yeah. simple. You had games. to adapt to what you had around you, actually, I think. That was the thing. Oh, definitely. And then we get two balls and we play up against the walls. <laughs> You know, there were, there were lovely games. Uh, fair play. Thanks for that. Listen, it's uh, it's chessy season. It's the time of the conquerors. I've got a lovely photograph here. Hi, Neil. This is my daughter, Charlotte, and her pal, Lillian, collecting chessies yesterday at school, says Kira, and they have a big bag of it. Looking into the bag of it, it's a bag of chessies, but it looks like a big bag of toffee sweets. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> Do you want a bag of chessies or do you want a bag of toffee sweets? <laughs> I think I probably know the answers to that one. All right, hang on a second. Let me get myself together. Mix on five. Make a morning. Hello. Thanks for holding. What have you got for me? No, I was just trying to bring you around about Chessies now. Yeah. And I have um, a granddaughter there. She's eight. And she called into me there last week and she brought in there. She brought in her Chessie and she put it into the bowl in the kitchen. And she's coming back now tomorrow to, so that we can have a game of it. So I'll have to go now tomorrow and look for one myself. That's what I was just thinking. You won't have any game with one Chessie. <laughs> No, no, she's, she's very good at it. She has one, but I say she'll be at the door tomorrow with a bag. So I'll have to, I'll have to go now today myself and try to find one. <laughs> have you played in the past, or is this the first time you're going to do it? No, but this, that is just, I just think, for years, years. And she'll have a swing, you'll have a swing, and... Uh... Oh, yeah. I showed it from there about two years ago, and she didn't know what it was, and then all of a sudden then she's delighted with it, and, and I think when the season comes, I know she'll pick them up and she'll come over with them. So, I think that's brilliant to see. I think that's brilliant being aware of the seasons and the things that are around. Uh, yeah. Did you say that she's, she gets? Well, oh, go on. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, go on. You have to come back this morning already, though, because Horry would be fairly bad. She can split you open with it, you know. She's <laughs> cheating. Give it a swing. Yeah, yeah. That's women for you. They cheat. What can you do? There's nothing you can do about that. Well, and is she not? Is she getting more fun out of that than PS4s? Ah, oh, she is. She's delighted with it. She wouldn't. Those things wouldn't bother her. No, she'd prefer the old stuff, you know. 
Happy days. Happy, Happy days. days. You want to get yourself out there and find yourself a championship co- conquer now? All right, I'll let you get off. Cheers, my man. Thanks for that. Not a great phone line, but thanks all the same. Uh, back to our voice notes. We're getting a lot, a lot more voice notes on this program, which is great. There's so many different ways you can interact with us. This is Neve on the Conjun box. Lads, just listening to the radio there. You know I'm 37 and I still call it a Conjun box. Because like, my mum always called some conjun boxes. So I always say to the girls, I've ca- I need to get a conjun box. And they're like, what's that? Like, I use them as saving tins now, like, but I always call them conjun boxes. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-810-4106. Red FM. Mary, Mary in Balancholic sent me uh, a text and also some photographs. Thing saying, oh, you do make me lol. And a big smiley face. I know you love Cork, but y'all is not and will never be the best beach in the world. And then Mary from Balancholic sent me two photographs. One is a, is a photograph of y'all beach and another is a photograph of a beach in Thailand. Uh, the idea of that is I'm supposed to compare and contrast on the two. The y'all beach photograph and the Thailand beach photograph. She says, you should be the Falcha Ireland ambassador for Cork. Well, I would love that. It would be an honour. Anything like that would be an honour because I do love Cork more than anywhere in the world. The only difference between, I mean, I, I accept what you're saying. The beaches in Thailand are probably absolutely lovely. But the beaches in Thailand are a long way away. And it would cost an awful lot of money to get to them for your fortnight or three weeks. Whereas the beaches in Cork and Yall Beach is always there. And it's free. And it's only 30 or 40 minutes away, as opposed to five, six or seven, eight hours in an airplane. So that's the difference, really. And on a sunny day, there's nothing like it. I mean, a walk on your beach over the weekend now, today, tomorrow or Sunday, would be a wonderful thing. And a bit of grub inside and Clancy's on the strand. I mean, what a wonderful day that would be. Uh, I was down there actually on Tuesday. I went down with my dad and we had a good old scope around and got some food in Clancy's and went and visited the RNLI and got a tour of the RNLI down there and uh, visited some some friends and what have you. Um, and the weather wasn't the greatest, but it was still a beautiful day. And they're building away on the, the boardwalk there, which would take you all the way from Red Barn, walking on the boardwalk all the way down to Yall Town itself. Uh, and ultimately, they'll put the Greenway in there, which will connect Middleton with Yall, and perhaps ultimately Yall with Dungarvan and Waterford and places like that. Um, well, that'd be a fantastic opportunity for families and a really great holiday as well for a long weekend or a week if you had a bike. Uh, and that's the whole idea of all of this. And of course, yet yeah, next year as well, on top of everything else, fingers crossed, you all will have the Iron Man back. And that's been even extended now, the Iron Man. It's going to be bigger and longer. Uh, I think it's going to involve an awful lot more activity down there. So we've a lot to look forward to. How did I get onto that? Oh yeah, comparing the beach in Yaw with the beach in Thailand. Um, and then there was the old one. A sailor went to CCC to see what he could CCC, but all that he could CCC was the bottom of the great blue CCC. Uh, apparently this was a hand clapping game played by girls and was quite intricate and skillful and I've seen my wife and daughter actually do it at home from time to time and the speed at which their hands move and the clapping and this kind of business I mean it's incredible anyway I'm taking up way too much of your time Keith good morning we're talking about old games can you hear me all right hello yeah there you are my old pal how's things need old things this is Keith oh fair play nice to catch up Come here in the grind to get off of COVID. Well, I just I'm just suffering from a bit of COVID fatigue. Are you? Huh? Just getting a bit COVID you, fatigued. You get sick of it, Neil. 
I know my I know my bank account numbers. Are you serious? I do. I do, yeah, I do. <laughs> I would know. I would, I would never clue, that's what. The only thing I know is the number of my address. <laughs> that's all I need to know. You need to go away and start training that brain of yours, do you hear me? <laughs> I know, I left to stop eating greens. How long have you I had really that left. phone number? About 20 years. <laughs> and, just, and just say a phone, Neil. I have to say a phone, just say I'm not your phone. <laughs> You probably charge it once a week, do you? Uh, you can't even put on low speaker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's man. I yeah, I probably have to train all right for that all right, Keith. You cracked me up, boy. <laughs> Mind yourself, Keith. Have a good weekend, all right? Stay in all touch, right, kid. Love it all day long. Thank you. Tim, good morning. Hello. How are you doing, pal? All right? Hello, Neil. What about these steering ass? We used to play the steering cars. Do you make your own one? Yes, make your own out of timber and with ball bearings. Yeah, I not I, I I um I used to use I used to use like um bits and pieces from an old pram. Yes, we used to do that too. But uh, the time at those times the the, the 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 bearings were easy to get. So we used to make out the bearings. Okay. And um would you be able to get a good speed out of them? Yes, especially downhill. Because you no brake on it, did you? Oh no, no brake. Sometimes a bit of timber. We we try and put it at the side to slow it down. But yeah, uh, if I remember correctly, you'd get a piece of timber onto the side of the steering car and you'd nail it to the side of it, and it kind of worked as a bit of a handbrake. Yes, but uh, more than likely it didn't work because you'd be taking your hands off the rope in for the steering. So we just just get used to it and slow down by yourself. Yeah, I mean, there was very little cars around back then, I suppose, as well. We used to race them around square and then down the footpath. Anybody ever get hurt, break an arm, break a leg, lose an eye? No. <coughs> no. Not that I can remember anyway, and I was constantly on it. I know, I know, I know. Different times. And then we the, the hula hoop. No one mentioned the hula hoop, uh, a, bike, a bicycle wheel. Oh yeah, that was that was something. Yeah, go on. And then we 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 run with it with a stick, and we race around the square again, around the circle, to see who comes first. You see, you were burning off so much energy and so many calories, right? You literally could eat anything back then. To be quite honest with you. Yeah. We never stop. From morning to dusk, we never stop. Whereas now, whereas now, the Department of Health, sorry now if this seems slightly off topic, but they've just launched a healthy eating guide for one to four-year-olds. You know, where they're talking about that they have tiny tummies and that the portion sizes, they're getting too big and that they're having too many fizzy drinks and they're eating too many chocolates and biscuits and crisps. But years ago, that didn't matter a damn because you literally were on the go morning till night. Summertime, we used to leave in the morning, summertime. We never probably got there. And we just, just, I don't know how we survived, how we ate, but most of the time we used to go to Vermont and we used to be eating the hazelnuts and whatever else we could find. Go away. Did you live, did you live around Vermont? I lived, I lived in Colony Road in Bastion Okay, so Vermont was your playground? All, all the south side was just our playground. So, super stuff. 
Lovely stuff. Getting back to the marbles and the conkers. It was a particular girl in Conley Road. It's not a great phone line there, Tim. I'm not on a speakerphone, am I? No. All right. Here, go on. We'll finish it anyway. Go on. We used to play, we used to try and beat a, a girl by the name Martin and Noonan. You used to, used to beat her at what? At the Martin Conquers. Okay, was she handy at it? She was? She was, the, she was brilliant. She was the champion of the Southside and Conquers. She was the champion, the champion of, of Colony Road, anyway. Right. Every young fella tried to beat her and we just couldn't beat her. What was her trick? She was just brilliant playing the cat marbles. It's all in the wrist, the, boy. It's all in the wrist. The the Tory top. I don't know if anybody mentioned. Uh, remember the Tory top? It's a, it's a, a bit of a bit of stick with a twine on it. Yeah. And we still wrap around the Tory top yeah. and twist it and see who can keep it going the longest. Amazing the things that you pick up off the ground. Super yeah. stuff, Tim. Not a great phone line, but appreciate the call. Cheers, my pal. Take Good care. Lovely. All right, take, take care. care. Just another blast of Free Food Friday shout-outs, and then we'll pick a winner for Oak Fire Pizza to deliver all of your hot piping pizza to you. And also, we have an extra bonus today. We are sending Oak Fire Pizza. Thank you again to everybody at Oak Fire Pizza, to all of the picketers uh, outside Debenhams, uh, on Patrick Street and also Maham Point. So they're going to get a good Friday lunch um, ahead of them. So that's nice. Everybody at PJ Hegarty's and Carl's Key, good morning to you. To HSS Plant and Tool Hire in Tivoli, Hennessy Hair and Beauty in Pembroke Street, Cork Distribution Little Island, SH Contracting in Cline, Custom Wear in Donnybrook and Douglas. Everybody at Shanakiel Childcare, they're having a lovely week um, and they're looking after all of the kids up there. To everybody at Make a Memory Personal Gifts in Glanmire. That sounds like an interesting company. I wonder what you guys do. While removals in Mitchellstown. Morning all. Uh, moving families in their homes and offices all over Cork and Europe for 50 years. The finance team at Hobart and finally for now Horgan's Garage Kerry Pike. Uh, all of them starving. Uh, we'll pick a winner in uh, about 7 or 8 minutes time. Back after. Uh, just Can you just hold on? I'll come back in a few minutes time. Back after these. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Okay, free food Friday with Oak Farm Pizza and uh, six large pizza with sides, wood-fired baby potatoes, garlic Garlic dips, uh, garlic bread, dips, drinks, and homemade mini cheesecake tasters should feed 12 to 15 of you, and uh, you'll really enjoy it. Courtesy of ourselves at oakfirepizza.ie. And this week's winner is, let's have a look here, Linda and all of the gang at Hickey's Pharmacy in Gronabraher Road. They'd love to win, and they'll also share it with Gronabraher Post Office Ladies Next Door. Uh, I think if there's eight of you between the two, you could probably share again with maybe another business nearby. So maybe three businesses uh, might win or invite some people in to share. So well done. Congratulations. Thanks, Linda. Everybody. Hickey Pharmacy in uh, Gronabraher and the Post Office as well. Courtesy of ourselves, Oak Farm Pizza, spreading the passion for real wood fire pizza uh, since 2010. And you can order online, oakfirepizza.ie. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.